Priscilla, I would just almost, uh, I can't understand how you chose the songs that you did tonight because what you chose is what I'm speaking about. There's something funny going on around here. I think when you get into Central Standard Time, something is different out here, isn't it? Yeah, in the city center. <laughs> I don't believe that, that the little Jewish boy born of Russian parents growing up in Brooklyn had any idea what he was doing when he wrote the beautiful song as part of an American in Paris. I'm not really convinced that George Gershwin knew that he was writing a love song from Jesus to all his people. But nevertheless, he wrote a song called Our Love is Here to Stay. Jesus, isn't it? Everything good in the world is about Jesus. There's no one who is goodness more than Jesus. He's the righteousness of God. Beloved, we're wrong. He's right. You want to know what's right about God? Jesus. That's God's righteousness. I'd like to read to you a, about a historic event. And I'll read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verses 9 through 14. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh 
and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. We've beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And that's Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's who that is, man. <laughs> that's the Lord. <laughs> it says so. That's a historic event with a little bit of theology thrown in. It's very important, though. It's important to know who Jesus is and what he's done. I want to shift over, though, to a contemporary event. This also is a true event. It's, event, it's an event that took place on Friday the 13th. It was in the month of April. Now, before I tell you what this event is, I want to give you some evidence to help you to believe that it's true. And the first thing I'd like to say to you is, it is written. The only thing is, I lost the thing uh, that, that says it. But, I, but I, had it at, I had it at one time. I did see it. Um, well, you, you just have to trust me on that. The, the other evidence is that, that I know two witnesses. Now, you know, two witnesses that agree, that's important. One of them was right there in the room where it happened, and the other one was in the room adjacent to it. And they told me that this event took place. And I have every reason to believe them. Only, only they're both dead now, so... <laughs> so I couldn't give you their phone number. Hopefully they're where you hopefully might be. So I don't, I really can't... Uh, well, it, it was good evidence, though. I mean, I believe it. So now I want to tell you what the event was. On Friday the 13th, in the month of April, in the year of 1934, I was born. <laughs> and none of you even knew it. You didn't know it then. But you know it now. Now you see how much good that's going to do you? <laughs> and it is written, but I don't know where my birth certificate is. <laughs> and I'm convinced that my mother was right in the room where it happened. <laughs> and I'm fully persuaded that my dad was in the room right next to it. That's the way they did it in those days. But, you know, if I ever would doubt, because my mom and dad have left this world, and I don't know where my birth certificate is, but if I ever would doubt, I have one piece of evidence that never fails. And it's simply this. Rene Descartes said, Cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. That's how he knew he existed. See, but I know that I was born from one incontrovertible bit of evidence. I'm alive. <laughs> you don't get alive without being born. Next time you ask a Roman Catholic, are you born again? And he says, huh? Don't, don't just decide that he isn't. You understand what I'm saying? People use different language. There are a lot of people that I've met in my life that wouldn't know what I meant if I asked them, are you born again? They'd say, born again? What do I have to do for that to happen? What are you talking about? And they are born again. Why can't they answer the question? Why don't they know it? Because they didn't learn the language. 
And sad to say, neither did Matthew, Mark, or Luke. They don't talk about being born again. They talk about being saved. And John doesn't even talk about being saved. What are they talking about? The same thing. What is it? Huh. That's a little bit elusive. That's tricky. What is it they what is it that we have? I'm alive, so I know I was born. You may not agree with me. But I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning feeling just fine. The good Lord willing, and if the creek don't rise. See, I'm alive whether anybody believes it or not. I know it. I'm alive. If I'm not, neither are any of the rest of you. You heard me say it, didn't you? Well, then you know I'm alive, or else you aren't. The whole thing's a dream. Merrily, 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 merrily. The whole thing's just a dream. That's what Barclay thought, the philosopher from England. He thought the whole thing was a dream. <laughs> he said, well, yeah, but see, I can tell him awake. No, he says, you're just dreaming you're doing that. I think Barclay was dreaming. <laughs> I'm not talking about William Barclay, the Scottish theologian. I'm talking about a talking about an English theologian, or, or philosopher, rather. Now, I want to read something about this business of being born again, and I'd like to go to the Gospel of John. Where do you think I ought to read from? Hmm? Doesn't anybody go to football games? John 3. Verse 1, and going through verse 8. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. That's already uh, kind of tough. I mean, how'd you like to be named Nicodemus? <laughs> What's that, Nicodemus, baby? What's happening? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Big man. This man came to Jesus by night and said of him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it will. And you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, that's a great explanation. You come away from that going, huh? What a, I mean, how could you explain that? Can you unravel that and explain it? Do you understand it? How many of you understand that? You do understand it, but, but, but you don't understand it. Right? I mean, I don't know how you can intellectualize this thing. I don't know how you can verbalize it and explain the thing, but your spirit knows what it's talking about. You know why your spirit knows what it's talking about? Because you're born of the Spirit. If you know what that means, it's only because you're alive in Christ. If you're not alive in Christ, you don't know what it means. And I just had an interesting thought as I was reading it just now that I never had before. It might even be that Jesus was getting the idea that Nicodemus was born again. Nicodemus said, we know that you're a man of God because nobody could do the things that you've been doing unless God is with him. Now this is a ruler of the Jews and he snuck over to him at nighttime. That is a heavy duty confession for a member of the Sanhedrin. And Jesus says, let me see what he said. 
check that out one more time. Um, and Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, lest one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, see, no wonder you understand that, Nicodemus. You're already a new wineskin. You just need to have the wine poured in. You've been conceived. You just haven't come full-blown yet. Um, something is happening. There's some life going on somewhere. And he doesn't get it. Nicodemus doesn't get it. But something's going on. How many of you gave permission to God to cause you to believe in Jesus Christ? He started messing with you before you even asked him to. In fact, he did it without your permission. In fact, he did it to some of you, and you didn't want him to. Yeah. <laughs> he made me love me, him. I didn't want to do it. That wasn't my idea. I set out to find if Jesus is a fraud, or if he's who he really is, whoever that's supposed to be. And many of you have heard me tell that story in detail. I'm not going to do it tonight, but only to say that I spent seven years trying to figure out who Jesus was because I didn't really care who he was, or rather to say I didn't care whether he was Lord or whether he wasn't Lord. I just wanted to settle the question. If he was Lord, then I would bow down and worship him because I had a desire to worship God. If he's not the Lord, fine, I'm not going to worship a man. That's the highest insult to God to worship what he creates. I don't want you to, to love a song I play. I want you to love me. The song is gone, but the melody lingers on. <laughs> I mean, love me. Don't invite me to the party because I can play an instrument and I'm the life of the party in 13 easy lessons. Give me a break. I need a hug. Huh? We're talking about life. We were singing about it earlier. Life, alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. What does it mean? How many of you set out to get born again. How many of you th actually think you're born again? Strange bunch. <laughs> Where'd you get this thing? Is it contagious? Did you inherit it from your mom and dad? Yes and no. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't in the genes. Maybe you didn't inherit it. But I'll tell you, environment has a heavy influence on people. You can be adopted and end up like your adopted parents. Has a great influence. The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. It's righteous mothers who pray for us. And grandmothers, too. Grandma. Grandpa wouldn't admit it, but he did the same thing, too. He was praying for you, too. Well, I'm coming. <laughs> Ask your mother. <laughs> I spent seven years trying to figure out who Jesus was because I was trying to do a head trip I didn't want to listen to my emotions because I know that emotions are fickle. Sometimes they line up with truth and sometimes they line up with a lie because we have ulterior motives and we have desires that affect what we're willing to feel. Oh, I feel God wants this and I feel God wants that. How come that's in direct opposition to what the Word of God says? I don't know, but I feel it. I say, I don't doubt that you feel it. I feel like I don't want to be married to you anymore. I feel like I want to quit school. I feel like I want to run away. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. I feel all kinds of things. I feel it in my bones. 
I feel it all over me. Some of the things I feel are accurate to truth, and some of the things I feel are not accurate to truth. Sometimes I feel like nobody in the church loves me. <laughs> and I can swear it's true and never tell anybody. Somebody comes up and says, you know, I just want to tell you how much I love you. You mean so much to me in my life. And I say, oh, well. <laughs> I mean, you know, you feel all kinds of things. When I was a kid coming home from the movie one time, we used to go to the Bird Theater, they call it, in Virginia. Y'all going over to the Bird Theater? What's on over there? The three... Not the Three Stooges. The, the, no, not the... What did you say? The Three Musketeers? No. The Three Caballeros. Who said that? You get the house prize. Cal, what's the house prize? Wait a minute. You get, I'm going to give you a certificate for a hug. Oh, you got one? Okay. Go to your room. <laughs> The three caballeros. Anybody younger than 58, you don't have to listen to this part. But the three caballeros, Walt Disney, and the other two. I've forgotten who they, I guess Donald Duck was one of them, and then there was another one, was some South American bird. I went to that one night by myself, and we, we walked several miles there and several miles home. Only coming home, there weren't any stars out and there wasn't any moon out. <clears throat> They're after me. <laughs> Who? I don't know. They're getting closer though. <whistles> it's not working. Feelings. Yeah, da, 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 da. How can it be so bad when it feels so good? <clears throat> Real simple, it's just bad, that's all. I, I guess I made the point. <clears throat> I didn't want to try to find out if Jesus is Lord by feelings. You feel one way when you're drunk and another way when you're sober. So I decided I would think it through and do an objective research job. So I went to the Encyclopedia Britannica and looked under J, like any good college man would do. That was the beginning. Seven years later, I ran out of questions and I was fully convinced that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God God of God, light of light, very God of very God, being of one substance with the Father, and by whom all things were made, who for us men in our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Virgin Mary, born of the, the Holy Spirit, see? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And you know the rest of the story. He suffered. And he died. He actually died. And they buried him because he was dead. And his spirit went into the place of the dead called Sheol in Hebrew, Hades in Greek. He did not go to hell. Nobody was in hell. He just went where the dead go. When you die, you're dead. And being dead, he was where the dead were. His spirit was there. And he told them the good news. And the ones whose hearts were toward God, like Abraham, Enoch, uh, Moses, uh, Noah, etc., etc., they listened. They were glad. And he set the captives free and humiliated the enemy publicly. Set them free 
and had a nice little parade and took him to a better place. When he'd finished that work, three days later, he appeared alive. His body was no longer in the tomb. There was not a, just a spiritual resurrection, there was a bodily resurrection. He was alive. Not the same as before, because he had flat out died. And he appeared to his own over a period of 40 days. They saw him. He appeared to Cephas, Peter, as we know him, to James. He appeared to the 12. There were only 11 of them. And I guess only Jesus could appear to 12 when there was just 11. They were called the 12. And then it says he appeared again to Peter. And then Paul says, and last of all, as to a man born out of his time, he appeared to me. And then he knew. Christ is alive. He's risen. He's risen indeed. You can't put him down. You can put me down, but you can't keep me down because I'm risen in him. Excuse me. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I have feelings. I just have to control them. But not now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Daffy Duck says, <laughs> Oh, he's alive. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. My Jesus is alive, alive forevermore. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. My Jesus is alive. Sing hallelujah. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I ran out of questions, and I believe the truth about Jesus Christ. And I could say, like Thomas, my Lord and my God. You know, he's not really your Savior unless he's your Lord. You don't get him in the installment plan. He's the second person of the Trinity, and you either have Jesus Christ as who he really is, or you haven't got him. But if he's your Lord and your Savior, and he's your God, you got the real one. You got the right one, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I believed it all. You know what difference that made? None. Didn't make any difference at all. I met somebody later that I never knew who had been running around with me all my life. He believed it too. Didn't make any difference to him either. His name is Satan. He believes it. I believe in Hitler. I believe he was a mediocre paper hanger named Schickelgruber and played pretty bad cello. Had a Jewish mother and never really made it. I believe a whole bunch of historic truths about Hitler, but I don't give him any allegiance. And I believed about Jesus Christ and didn't know what to do about it. So I joined the church. <laughs> Which is all right, that's a good thing to do. And one day driving on the Tappan Zee Bridge over the Hudson River on my way to a job interview, I decided to ask God, should, should, would you help me make up my mind whether I should even go to this job interview? That's what I was going to ask him, but I'll let you know how the prayer came out. And I remember the prayer because I remember what happened. I'm driving along in my Chevy station wagon all by myself, talking out loud to God. Right in the middle of the Tappan Zee Bridge at 2.15 on July 29, 1971, I opened my mouth and said, God, I've been making decisions for 37 years, and some of them have been good and some of them have been bad. 
but this time I'm turning the whole problem over to you. And along with it, I'm turning me over to you. I'm giving you me, all of me. Just take me, do whatever you want. And if you want me to pick up paper, I'll do it, but just take me. I didn't have any idea I was gonna pray such a prayer as that. And as soon as I got that prayer out of my mouth, I felt like hundreds of pounds went off my shoulders. I felt like I came two inches off the car seat. And I knew that God had accepted my prayer, that he had accepted me, that I belonged to him. And never again in my whole life would I ever pray, Our Father, without knowing that he's my Father. My Father. I had a father who wasn't a drunk. I had a father I wasn't ashamed to bring my friends home to meet. I can bring people to meet him. He could lick anybody on the block and loves them all. And in the car was the father and the son. And I'm not talking about plastic statues. I'm talking about spiritual beings. The father was here and the son was here, and no matter how I tried to switch them, that one was the father, and that one was the son, and I never invited them in. What are they doing in my car? I didn't ask them in there. Oh, I didn't mind. What I said was, wow, wow, what, for three miles? Wow, wow, don't run off the road, fool. Wow! Wow! And they wouldn't go away. They wouldn't go away. You see, Jesus said in John 14, 21 through 23, He says, He who loves me keeps my commandments, and my Father will love him and manifest himself to him. And, and, Judas, not Iscariot, meaning Thaddeus, said, Lord, how is it that you will not be manifest to the others but only to, to these? And he said, I tell you truthfully, he who keeps my commandments is he who loves me, and my Father will come to him, and I will come to him, and we will make our home with him. I didn't ask him. But God knew that I loved him. When I turned my life over to him, that meant that I no longer had my life. It meant I gave my life away. It means that I let go of it. It means I, I, I trashed it. I, got, I let it go. Take it. And if he just said turn left, I'd have driven right off the bridge. Some people are like that. They're kind of emotional. And, you know, we don't always get to that passion level in our faith and love of the Lord. But when you take seven years resisting what you think is emotions, and it turns out it was the Spirit of God himself causing you to fall in love with Jesus. And when there's nowhere to go, and he's got you backed in a corner, and you've painted yourself into a corner, and you finally say, Lord, just take me and do whatever you want, he takes you seriously. So when there's much resistance for a long time and a tremendous long pregnancy, it's a big baby. <laughs> you must have been a beautiful baby. <laughs> Life in Jesus Christ. What's the difference? Let me read another passage. May I read another passage? Yes. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. For the love of Christ controls us because we're convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all so that 
Those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. (laughs) From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once regarded Christ from a human point of view, we regard him thus no longer. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, so that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Hallelujah. So we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we beseech you on, half of, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. We're the righteousness of God. You want to know how right God is? Take a look at us. You say, oh man, that's kind of embarrassing to God, isn't it? No, it's not. He's not ashamed to be among us. He's not ashamed. He's proud of us. He's restored us to what he intended us to be from the beginning, and now he's transforming us, sanctifying us, if you will, to become that perfect image of Jesus Christ who is the perfect, unblemished image of God Almighty. The greatest thing that God has in this world is us, only it ain't us. See, I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live But it's not I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I hope all the me's that I said were yours. It's yours. It's ours. Da, 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 da. And love can come to everyone. The best things in life are free. It's a free offer from God. The offer of eternal life found only in Christ Jesus. You can't get born again. You can't do it by the will of the man. You can't do it by the will of the flesh. You can't do it by inheritance, by blood. There's no way that you can set out to get born again and get born again. Beloved, did you ever try to make people love you? You can't make people love you. You don't become loved by trying to get loved. You don't get free by trying to get free. You don't get born again by trying to get born again. You discover you're born again because you decided to drop dead. (laughs) You want to live? Die. Nobody knew what it was like to be born again until they were born again. Nobody knows what the kingdom looks like till they're in it. You can't go window shopping, June. None of us are allowed to be voyeurs peeking in to the kingdom. We can't see it until we're in it. You not even see the kingdom of God until you're born of the spirit and the water. But when you're in it, Man, you know you're in it. And for the first time in your life, you know where you used to be. You never knew where you were when you were there. You didn't know who you were or where you were. Much less who you were going to be or where you were going. 
Isn't that right? Am I talking in circles? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? If not, I'll just play another tune. That's the truth, isn't it? So people understand born again if they understand the language, but, but they know what it is to love Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you, you know, you can tell that people are alive in Christ. I flew from Des Moines, or from uh, O'Hare in Chicago to Des Moines yesterday. Sat next to a lady, just two of us there. She had the window seat and I had the aisle seat. Her name was Lou. And we talked. She's my sister. I didn't have to ask her. She talked about how she needed to find out if she should stay in the job she was in or she should go somewhere else. We just talked, just talked, enjoyed each other's spirit, having a wonderful time, just enjoying each other, completely setting each other free, nobody trying to grab anything or prove anything. And we just started loving each other and knowing that there was something special. And we ended up talking about Jesus, and we both love him. She has a friend who's always trying to get her saved. <laughs> she says, I don't know what to do with my friend. Every time we get together, she's trying to get me saved. But I love Jesus. He, you know, he's my Lord and Savior. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do to convince this person. I said, well, neither does she. See, she's saying you got to do this and you got to be. She's just telling you what she thinks. But don't, don't uh, argue with her about any of that. Just say thank you. That's really helpful. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need. <laughs> Somebody asked Tommy Tyson one time, said, um, said, you travel around a lot. You see a lot of people. How do you relate to all these different people? Tommy said, you know, that's a good question. People have asked me that one before. He said, I'll tell you the truth. You know, some of the people that I relate to, I don't have much opportunity to really relate. You know, for example, I'm on an airplane, and I'm sitting there for a couple of hours or maybe five or six hours with somebody I've never seen, may never see them again as long as I live. Now, how do I relate to them? He says, I'll tell you how I relate to them. He says, I consider every man my brother. If he's a Christian, he got the respect he deserved. And if he's not, he might wish he were. <laughs> yeah, but suppose he's not. If you treat him right as though he is, he might wish that he were. All, all we need to do is love Jesus in front of anybody. It doesn't say keep your light hid under a bushel. It says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. What? No, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Oh, I just couldn't let my good works show because that would be so conceited and, and that would be, you know, no, it wouldn't. If you let your light shine in such a way that people see your good works and end up glorifying God, that's the humblest act you can ever do. Let your light shine. Let them see your love. Star Daily said, you want to lead people to Jesus Christ? He said, put the love of Christ in your eyes and let them see it. I dare you to do that. It'll scare you to death until you do it. When you start loving people, you're no longer scared of them. When you love people, you can't be scared of them. You can either love or fear, but you can't do both. You can either love or judge, but you can't do both at the same time. You can either tell the truth or tell a lie, but you can't do them at the same time. You just, you've got the love of Jesus Christ in you. Just let him come out. 
Let him come out. Let him, let him love you. Let people see the love of Jesus Christ for them. Let yourself love them. Suppose they don't love me back. Get an extra scoop from Jesus and don't worry about it. I got a friend named Jim Scannell. He says, I said one time to Jim, Jim, Jesus is so good, I don't even know how to thank him. He says, listen, I could tell you how to thank him. I said, yeah. He says, yeah, you want to know how to thank him? I said, yeah, how do you thank him? He says, ask him for more. He loves it. I'll give you another one along those lines that I heard just recently, which I love. It cracks me up. Some lady said to me about a month or so ago, said, you want to know how to get God to laugh? I said, how to get God to laugh? Yeah. I said, how do you get God to laugh? She says, tell him your plans. <laughs> Just tell him your plans. <laughs> And then ask him to bless it. <laughs> Make it holy. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Verse 17 said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 said, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, that means look at here. The new has come. And if you let it come, if you let it show, if, if you know who you are in Jesus Christ, and you act like who you are in Jesus Christ, people are going to notice that you're something new about you. They may not know what it is, unless they're in him, then they'll know full well what it is. Lou and I knew what we had on that plane. We ended up loving each other and telling each other how we love Jesus, how we love people who try to get us saved. I love, I love to go to big Pentecostal-type conferences with my black clergy shirt and my collar on and go in the men's room and some teenage kid says, Hi, Father. I say, Hi, how you doing? You know, go about our business there. He says, you enjoying the conference? Oh, yeah, very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's good conference. Um, Father, are, are you born again? I say, what do you mean, uh, born again? Am, am I born? What is that? What do you mean, am I born again? Well, are you saved? Saved? What do you mean? And the kid does his thing. And I say, that's really good. That's well done. But I met the Lord 15 years ago. Thank you for being willing to share with me. Did you think I wasn't saved because you thought maybe I was a Roman Catholic priest? Do you think they give up their lives for nothing? Why not presume the best? Because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. You look at the goodness of God and Jesus Christ and you'll feel the conviction of sin in your life. Nobody needs to tell you you're lost. You find out you're a loser when you look at the winner. And his goodness lets you know that what he is, you ain't. But if you're in Christ, you know who you are, act like who you are, even if you don't feel like who you are, and somebody will know there's something new. Take my wife, somebody. <laughs> a funny thing happened on the way home. I met the Lord on the bridge. About a, a week later, I went to CFO, never heard of it, on Long Island. Long Island. It was called Minden, because it was a place called Minden. And to cut a long story short, I went out there, had a grand time. Jim Brown spoke. I wept for 45 minutes because the love of Jesus was more than I could stand. I never heard anybody preach it before. And I heard that, and I was home, man. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit just like at, at uh, and what's his name, house at Caesarea? 
Well, come on. The Italian centurion. Cornelius. I knew that. I just wanted to see if you were listening. Cornelius' house. Peter's preaching his sermon. The spirit fell on him. He didn't get to the fourth spiritual law. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Never had an altar call, and they're out there praying in tongues. Italians, how can they pray in tongues? They can't even speak good Hebrew. <laughs> and Peter pled before the other leaders in the mother church in Jerusalem, said, what was I to do? I, I, I just felt we had to baptize them in water into the church, even though they were Gentiles, because we saw they had received the Holy Spirit the same way we did on the day of Pentecost. And how did Peter receive, and how did Mary, the mother of Christ, receive, speaking in tongues? That's not what they were after. Tongues, they... They were waiting for what God had for them, and they knew that it had something to do with the Holy Spirit, but they got empowered with the Holy Spirit to become witnesses to him in Jerusalem and all of Judea and then Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the world. So uttermost that it even got out to Iowa. <laughs> And that strange place just west of there. <laughs> when I'm in Nebraska, I preach differently. <laughs> Want to live to preach another day. At the end of the camp, CFO, I don't think there was anything I went there for that I didn't get and much more. And I drove home singing, I don't not what. And then as soon as I got home, I washed a load of clothes real quick, threw, threw my clean clothes into a huge knapsack, backpack, got in the car and drove down to, or, uh, no, I didn't get in the car. I got, I got into New York City and caught a bus down to Danville, Virginia, where my wife and children met me, and we proceeded from there to Cape Hatteras. She was down visiting her family while I was at Minden. Neither of us had ever been to a Christian retreat in our lives. And so there we were at Cape Hatteras for our annual camping trip. You know, annual family camping trips. Does this conjure up anything? The annual family camping trip. <laughs> and for the first time since we'd been married and had children, it wasn't the children's fault that the tent stakes didn't go in. It wasn't Alice's fault that the flaps didn't go where they were supposed to. Something different going on. It all went up so easily. It was beautiful. We had fun doing it together. Of course, there was that, and then there also was reading the book of Acts at breakfast to the family. That was a little different. But I never realized. You know, I wasn't thinking about it. I was being the new man, not trying to be the new man, just hanging loose. I was somebody else, somebody God had wanted me to be all my life. And I didn't become the man that I expected to become, but he made me the man that he intended me to be. And now he's just chipping away a little more marble, creating a masterpiece. Ladies and gentlemen, you behold before you a masterpiece in progress. <laughs> and I'm looking at exactly the same thing. Masterpiece. You're God's work. So, we had a great camping trip and enjoyed the tail end of a hurricane to boot. <laughs> we got home, and it was only a few days later, Alice said, what's going on with you? And I thought, oh man, what have I done now? 
I said, what do you mean? She says, you know what I mean. I thought, oh man, have I done something? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, you know what I'm talking about. There's something going on with you. There's something different. And I said, oh, oh yeah, right. Um, there is, I, I just never, uh, there's something really uh, different and I just never thought to mention it to you. <laughs> it's the truth. I was telling all my friends and losing most of them. And only a few of them are in the kingdom because of it. I'd lose all of them to see one come into the kingdom. She says, you know, there's something going on with you. And I said, well, tell you the truth, that's right. Uh, something happened. I could tell you something that happened. She said, okay, let's hear it. I said, you know, when I went to that job interview, uh, oh, and I had to drive over the Tappan Zee Bridge, I told her the story with a little more detail than I told you. When I got through, she said, I don't get it. And you know, she's pretty intelligent. And I thought, what do I say now? How could she not get it? I'm a good explainer. I'm a good teacher. I communicate clearly. I, I don't know. What you, what, how come she doesn't get it? What do I say if she says I don't get it? And then God was merciful and gave me an answer. I said, what don't you get? She said, what I don't understand is why it happened to you and not to me. And then I knew I had a jealous woman on my hands. And she went on. She said, you know, I'm the one that wanted to go to church, not you. You just went because I wanted you to and because you thought it would be good for the children. I taught Sunday school. I even taught Sunday school in high school, she says, as you may well remember. See, when I was 16, Dan, I looked across the cafeteria one day at lunch, and there she was, and that ruined the rest of my life. <clears throat> I was going to be a great jazz musician and drink myself to death and have everybody say, poor Alex, he was the greatest. You see, and all those lofty plans got wrecked because there was Alice. Seven years later, we were married. Met her when I was 16. Watch out where you eat lunch. <laughs> She says, I don't get it. I said, well, Alice, I don't know how to explain it to you. I don't know either. I don't know why it was me. She said, and I also don't un even understand exactly what happened. And I thought, but I told her what happened. There was the father and there was the son. No wonder she couldn't understand you. Know. But, I mean, she understood what happened, but she couldn't understand the working of it. You know, what... Why is this going on? And so I said, you know, I, I, didn't, I can't quite understand it either. You know, one of the things I understood in my car was that I had, it seemed as though I had gone from one country into another one. Alice told me years later, she said, you know, I felt like you drove over that bridge and never came back. She said, I got to where I thought we ought to get remarried because you weren't the man I married. Of course not. I was a new creation. The one she married, she was about to leave and didn't tell me that until years later. I didn't know that. Even then, being Christians and loving each other, I was shocked. Sometimes it gets so bad you don't even know how bad it is, right? So I said, Alice, I don't know how to explain it, but, but wait a minute, I could read something to you. And, uh, and, and that's sort of like what it is. 
So I said, would it be all right if I read it? She said, sure, go ahead. So I read what I just read to you. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. You know, you shall not even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born of the water and of the spirit. She says, I don't get it. I said, Alice, I understand what you're saying. I didn't get it either. What Nicodemus didn't understand, I didn't understand, but I understand it now. She says, I don't get it. Next day, I was sitting in the living room reading a magazine. Alice walked by and said, just don't be pushing. I said, what? <laughs> she says, just don't push me. I said, what are you talking about? I'm trying to read a magazine. She says, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what we were talking about. I said, what were we talking about? I said, I was reading a magazine. What were you talking about? She says, I'm talking about what we were talking about yesterday. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. But, but Alice, you've got to realize I'm just sitting here. She said, all right, all right. But just tell me now, again, what was it that happened when you were on the bridge? <laughs> so, so I took it nice and easy and told it again. She says, okay. <laughs> Two months later, on her own, she gave her life to Jesus. Because she saw that somebody had done something to me that she had never been able to do, and she liked what had been done. And she knew that only God could do that. And she came in and found out what God could do in her life. The next day, two of our children, and a little bit later, the third one. Life in Christ. Life. Life. The light was the life for men, for people. Eternal life is in Jesus Christ, no other way. What about the Hindus? Don't you love them? Oh, I love them. I tell them about Jesus. What about all those Jewish people in New York? Tell them about Jesus. Oh, they might not like it. Yeah, but they'll, they'll like that better than they'll like being separated from God for the rest of eternity. Oh, he wouldn't do that. No, he doesn't want to do that. He sent his Jewish son into the world so that they could come into the kingdom that he prepared first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. But you might offend someone. Thank God, so did he. Yeah, but they might nail you for it. Thank God, so did, he. So did they he. Well, you could lose your life. No, I couldn't. I already lost it. How do you worry about losing when you haven't got anything? I don't have a thing. And I can't be a loser. I was a loser. I'm a winner. And you're a winner. I just have to quit. <laughs> as soon as... <laughs> I don't want to quit. I want to say some more. But June quit, so I have to quit. <laughs> How many of you love Jesus? Hallelujah. Is there anybody here who would like to commit your life to Jesus at a deeper level this evening? Not just because you got your emotions tickled, but uh, maybe it's your time to commit yourself to Jesus at a deeper level. Maybe somebody who moved a little bit away from Jesus. Don't want to talk about it. Don't need to. But you just want to come on home again. You know that when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. But you probably also understand what God said in the Old Testament. Return to God and he'll return to you. He's not going to say, well, it's too late now. When I wanted you, you didn't want me. And now that you want me, no, he's just waiting. Anybody here want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ that you never made before? 
you'd like to lose the life that you've been trying to live for Jesus and receive his life that he can live in you, that you can live through Jesus. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ at the deepest level that you've ever committed your life before, I want you to raise your hand. Don't be sloppy about this. If you really want to do it, okay. If you don't, and don't worry what anybody else says. You want to do that, put your hand up. All right, you got your hand up. Get up out of your chair. And the rest of you can sit there with your eyes open. We're going public. They killed him publicly. He taught publicly. He healed publicly. He set people free publicly. And we're going public. Close your eyes, you who are standing. The rest of you can watch. Enjoy it. Something to celebrate. You who are standing, close your eyes and bow your hearts before God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And just in your heart right now, just go ahead and commit your life to Jesus. Tell him you're sorry you took some of it back. Tell him you're sorry that some of it you've been withholding all along. Tell him you've been afraid of him for what he would take away from you. Tell him whatever you have to tell him. Now let's turn it over to him. And you can pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that I am. And everything that I have. I turn over to you now. I'm giving you all of me. Just take me. And do whatever you want with me. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Without you, I cannot. And without me, you will not. I want to be yours, lock, stock, and barrel. I want you to be my Savior, my Lord, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the CFO Classics Library. If you would like to listen to more messages from the library, please visit our website at cfoclassicslibrary.org. Or if you would like more information about the camps farthest out or would like to find a camp near you, please visit their website at cfonorthamerica.org. Thank you.